0: This is Higher Ed Heroes with Dr. Sebastian Kemp and Dr. Alastair Stark. Hi and welcome to Higher Ed Heroes, a new podcast series brought to you by the Faculty of Humanities and Social Sciences here at the University of Queensland. This series is about all those little things we do or can do in our classroom, the little things
1: that can make a big difference. My name is Seb, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Al. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Because this is the first episode of Higher Ed Heroes, we really thought it would be a good idea to provide a bit of context in terms of why we set this podcast series up and really what we're trying to achieve with it. I think it's fair to say that what's motivated us both to set up this podcast is our shared belief that what matters most to our students is what we do in an everyday sense in our classrooms. So for many years Seb and I have been talking to each other informally about the things that we do in the classroom, the things that we want to improve, the things that we want to change, but also the things that we love. And really what we've been doing is sharing practices and ideas that we know have transformed our classrooms. And one thing that's really striking is that these kinds of
0: conversations that you and I have had have usually taken place outside the normal structures within which unis these days tend to talk about that stuff. So it's not been taking place in a teaching committee or in a faculty board or any of those kinds of institutional fora. It's been taking place between you and I. And in fact, in most cases, we've just been sitting on a bench over lunch, having these kinds of conversations over a sandwich. I mean, I think in your case, a sandwich in my case probably a coffee and these chats you know we've conducted them in a very down-to-earth day-to-day uh, non-technical way no jargon just with a view coming from a passion that we like teaching and talking about the things that we love the most and that's really what we do in the classroom and in a way after doing this I don't know for several years now I guess we've come to realize that that's the kind of stuff that we enjoy the most and We don't get to talk about this at universities, right? We don't get to talk about these small examples of good practice that can really have a big impact.
1: And I think that's really the challenge for this podcast, isn't it? Trying to recreate the sandwich and coffee experience, (laughs) that informal space where we get to discuss the practicalities of teaching really from the bottom up in a jargon-free, non-technical way. But really, I guess the big objective is to try and exchange views on those little things, those little practices that we know really transform our classrooms, that really stimulate our students, that really transform those everyday moments into something quite special and that we know make a big difference to our students learning experience and and their enjoyment in the classroom. For me at least talking to you and I guess for us
0: talking to each other in this way inspired us and I think it made us better teachers and made the student experience better for them in the classroom and it's often about like very little things and for for example one memorable um, example has been about how you in your lecture you told me that in your lecture you make students stand up and do a specific task like what what is that again
1: yeah I always make students uh, stand up to teach them about legitimacy so in a classroom uh, of about 200 I make them all stand up shut their eyes and then I make them touch their nose with both index fingers and then I make them stand on one leg and then I make them open their eyes and look at each other as they wobble about and and fall over. I do this to teach them a story about consent and what they do immediately is they ask a question which says why did you make us do this? And I say to them actually the better question for us to learn is why did you listen to me and do what I told you to do. So the lesson proceeds on the basis that they consented to me because I was using my legitimate authority. And sometimes it's really great when it doesn't work well because people refuse and you have to go and convince them and persuade them and use political rhetoric to get them to do What they wouldn't otherwise do and what i always ask them to do at the end i used to make them uh, ask them if they would punch the person next to them (laughs) but for health and safety reasons i thought this would be really terrible if someone actually punched them so now i ask them at the end to passionately kiss the person that sits next to them and of course they won't do it so i can make them shut their eyes stand on one leg touch their nose but my legitimate authority runs out when it comes to passionate kissing or violence. And then I use that as a metaphor to teach them about the political system. Public policy is often about getting people to do things they wouldn't otherwise do. So why do they do that? Well, because they see the person or the system is legitimate, that they give their consent to stand on one leg. And it becomes a real metaphor for the whole semester that I go back to again standing on one leg becomes a shorthand (laughs) that I simply use for legitimacy that example and I remember you telling me this
0: came back to me then in one of my courses which is was on a on a topic on non-violence and how power works and is generally understood in, in international politics. Usually we associate it with you know, traditional power, which is hierarchically organized and emanates from the top of a pyramid downwards onto everyone. So someone at the top ahead of state and government gives orders that everyone follows. But nonviolence understands power very differently It understands it as emanating from the citizens, from the people's upwards, Mm. alongside the motto that, you know, the dictators are never as strong as they make you believe that they are, and the people are never as weak as the dictators make them believe that they are and i just thought i'm going to try that out and use the same technique and made students stand up and you know not as elaborate with you with index fingers or nose (laughs) but with the same idea of and then please kiss the person next to you and of course the similar reaction happened but what was interesting is that we talked in abstract terms about these different conceptions of power Mm. but by them doing that exercise Mm. they really started the penny dropped Mm. they understood order and obedience mm. right and mm. power over by having experienced it through their bodies and i think what i got away from this is that kind of bodily physical experience mm. as a way in which illustrate complex things and boiling it down into their own lives into their own bodies
1: yeah and it's something you can do in a classroom is to break up the typical if you like, geography of a lecture room to provide a more memorable experience. You know, a lecturer goes to the front, switches on the computer, stands down the front, students sit in their typical seat, and that relationship becomes very boring and very placid. And it's sometimes interesting just to change that up, just to give them something memorable that they can then hang off a lesson. The one that I always remember stealing from you was the... Um, well, there was a few, actually, but the one that really is memorable for me is the, the the way you get students to get out the classroom completely, to go and start mapping cameras around the city, which is something truly novel.
0: Something I like doing is to bring students to learn through practical activities and activities they pursue outside the classroom that are not necessarily related to the reading and the kind of thinking that they normally do. So in this particular case, what you mentioned with taking pictures of cameras, it's on the topic of surveillance and what the NSA is doing with global metadata and bulk collection and uh, you know us being watched everywhere. And we obviously talk about this, we read about this, but then there's also an element there where we focus on resistance to the surveillance state. And it's a concept of surveillance where the idea is that, we turn the camera onto those who are watching us and we t- you know we talk about this theoretically in the lecture they read about it but alongside the readings they need to go around their week on the streets, wherever they are, and take 10 pictures of different public CCTV cameras on their mobile phones. I'm very careful to say no army bases, no police headquarters, right? Uh, No banks, please. But, you know, on the bus, on a street, at a train station, and send them in. And what's really striking is that they send them in to me and I upload them onto a Google map. And next time we meet, we, we look at you know, the kinds of cameras that we have collected over a week as a course here in the city of Brisbane. And then we start talking about their personal experience. And what's interesting is that they all feel really uncomfortable about doing that exercise. We're in a free country. You do nothing illegal. And yet somehow that helps you illustrate the asymmetry here mm. that exists between. We don't question the CCTV camera. But we get questioned or we even question ourselves, if we turn our camera at another camera, right? And that raises really interesting questions. And, you know, that kind of practical activity helps bring out some of the core messages of the text that I think just talking about them you would never ab- ab- uh, never be able to do.
1: Mm. And so what I did was I, I, I took that and although my topics that I teach are slightly more prosaic and policy-focused, I really took the lesson that We could encourage students to do things outside of the typical reading and writing and and, and thinking in certain ways that we typically do. In In a disaster management course I teach, I got them to use the board games and the computer games that the United Nations uses to provide disaster management education and had my students really playing simulations, playing board games, and then bringing them into the class. And then half the class would play the games in front of the students, and the other half who'd been reading on different types of disaster education observed them and then tried to typify what they were seeing in front of them. And it was a really nice way of bringing a degree of gaming into the classroom, a degree of performance, and to give students a different experience away from the classroom. And it was something I never thought. What what experience should I be giving students when they're outside of the campus? It really opened my eyes up. So these are really just two small examples of many that we've spoken about over sandwiches over or coffee. The years. Or coffee, depending many, on... Many many coffees, actually. And it's worth emphasising that what we've never done is tried to directly implement the lessons or experiences of the other. We've always taken on the idea and adapted it. Seb and I teach very different things, and we're very different in terms of our, our lecturing style. And we've never simply tried to implement what the other does perfectly, it's probably better to say that we've been inspired by each other and that we use that inspiration as a starting point to make our own changes. And that's really where this podcast comes from. It's an attempt to replicate and open up those conversations to like-minded university teachers in as many places as possible. And it's done in the hope that it can offer you that little bit of extra inspiration that might turn your good tertiary teaching into great tertiary teaching or your great teaching into extraordinary (laughs) teaching.
0: Yeah, and so in each episode, we talk to a colleague from within the Faculty of Humanities and Social Sciences about really what they do in their classroom. And these conversations are very informal and really down-to-earth in the kind of sandwich coffee spirit that we've described here before. In actual fact, we deliberately declare this a buzzword-free zone. Um, we even have a buzzer here, Elle. No that buzzer is uh, generating randomly all sorts of different no's so we can no! <laughs> no. yes there you go so that's our
1: buzzer-free zone. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to use it every time we hear a buzzword in any of our conversations. There are many buzzwords in our teaching world. Flipped classrooms, blended learning, work-integrated learning, research-led teaching. We don't discount these. They're important concepts and they stand for important things. Universities treat them seriously and, and so do we. But... We want to underscore the fact that our podcast here is really about focusing on the day-to-day practices, and we want to talk about those practices in ways which are accessible, and that we hope will inspire you to think about your own teaching, and we don't always think that buzzwords allow us to do that. And
0: so what we are doing in this podcast is to cover a whole range of different themes. For
1: example... Using Lego in your classroom to help students learn. Hmm. And crisis scenarios um, created and worked with uh, alongside industry stakeholders.
0: Or think about using students and placing them at the driving seat of your lecture and having them drive the discussion and the way the lecture is going.
1: Or what about using NGO practitioners to run your assessments? Or taking students
0: to different institutions to help them understand how learning works differently in
1: those ones regardless of the topic we are sure you're going to be inspired by the recordings that you hear in this series we know that because we've been inspired and we know that these people are great teachers that have really given us something to think about so in a way this podcast is not about l or me it's
0: about um great practices and ultimately it's there for you this podcast is for you in the hope that it translates and inspires you to think about your teaching to think about what it is that you can adopt and implement in your own classroom that's it for our first episode thanks so much for tuning in we are looking forward to having you back with our next episode